thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Great. Well, um, let's put our hands together and welcome uh, Matt Hatch to the stage. I'm going to get him up here and then embarrass him. So, uh, kind of Matt and his uh, wonderful wife, Pippa, uh, kind of good friends of Josie and I now, which is really, really wonderful. And uh, they moved up to Leeds, don't tell me, I'm going to try and work this out, 17 years ago, about that. Okay, that's great. To start um, a Mosaic Church in Leeds, which has been a a really, really wonderful church. I know there's some people who are part of our church that have, have spent some time there, um, but obviously moved here because it's better. And um, <laughs> we know that's not true. And, um, but also, Matt has got a real kind of passion around church planting, and through his team have planted churches in and around Leeds, but also over into Dublin and other places in the world. And uh, yeah, but I really wanted to invite Matt to come and... Uh, we're, in, we're talking about our discipleship framework, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do like Jesus. And uh, for me personally, Matt has probably been the greatest encouragement and inspiration about my own personal journey of putting spiritual discipline in place. So really over the last year, he's had a lot of input into my life, really kind of helping to kind of lead me and pastor me. And that has just been amazing. We all need people like that in our lives, don't we? And so I'm really thrilled to be able to invite him to come and unpack, unpack some of what I've learned over lots of sessions in about 30, 40 minutes, so something like that. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for Matt. I thank you that he is a man who, yeah, knows what it is to be with you. But I thank you that he's also just a man who will have struggled in the discipline of being with you. And um, Father, I pray that we can learn from his journey, his own personal journey, but also the journey of leading hundreds of people in their journey of being with you, Jesus, and, and the fruit that that then brings into our lives. So bless him as he speaks, and bless us. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Matt. Good morning, everyone. So nice to be here with you. Um, yeah, as Matt says, we uh, really feels like our friendship with Matt and Josie is growing. And they, I mean, I don't want this just to all be about pastors bigging each other up, but Matt and Josie are people that clearly uh, love people really well, uh, as well as loving Jesus and loving the church. And um, when people love others well with such uh, integrity and authenticity, you just want to be around those sort of people. And so for Pip and I, we really feel drawn to these two and feel like we're learning from them. And more than anything, I think we feel better people for being around them both. And that will spill over into this church family. And so I've not been here for a few years, but I'm sure as a church family, uh, clearly just from being in your worship time, you're a people that love Jesus lots and want to be a family together. So it's a real delight to sort of speak into this whole issue of being with Jesus because you're clearly doing that quite a bit already and I hope what I've got to share will help you even more. Uh, I'd love to actually sort of like sit down with you and so you can get to know me, I can get to know you, but um, unfortunately Philippa's here today. We've been married 20-something years to... <laughs> 23? 
I think that's close. It's, I might be five years out, but tw about 23. And I've got a picture here as well. Uh, this is our family. Uh, so um, Tom on the left is our youngest. He's only 16, um, but he's six foot 10 or something. Um, uh, Izzy is our eldest. She's at uni in Sheffield. And Ben is our middle child. He's studying over in York. So we've got two left home, and poor Tom is just left with us on his own. And uh, yeah, we, we started Mosaic Church, uh, I think, 18 years ago, and uh, we love Leeds, love being in Yorkshire. My kids are refusing to leave Yorkshire. They love it so much. And we're, we're for the church because Jesus is for the church. And so we're cheering you guys on. Uh, we, we, the light has a reputation. Do you know that? You have a, a reputation as a church, and it's quite good. And uh, you're respected from afar, your work, social action work, as well as who you are as a church family, um, you're held in high esteem by lots of people. So great to be here. Are you ready uh, for what God's going to say this morning? Ready and open? Yeah, well, why don't you get your Bibles ready? We're going to be on the screen as well. But in this series, I've been asked to come and just share a little bit about what it is to be with Jesus, to spend time with God. And it couldn't be simpler, you know, because I think if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know that to grow, you need to be with Jesus. And we are with Jesus because that's the example that Jesus gives us. So in the everyday moments of Jesus's life, we find Jesus at prayer being with God the Father, he, whether it's early in the morning or late at night, on a mountaintop or in a desolate place, Jesus is spending time with God. Matthew 1, verse 35, I think we've got this. Uh, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then next verse, Luke 5, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And then in Luke 9, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? So you get the sort of feeling that Jesus just spent time with God in the everydayness of life, early morning, late at night, and during the day. But also, when you read the Gospels, you see he spent time with God in the most intense times. So if you look at John 17, before Jesus is arrested, and later in Mark 26, where he sweats blood in prayer, you actually get to hear what Jesus said when he spoke to God the Father. And then in major moments where he's got decisions to be made or things to be done, you see Jesus spending time with God, whether it's his 40 days of prayer and fasting in preparation for three years' worth of ministry, in, at his baptism, at his transfiguration, all night on a mountain before choosing his disciples. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is that whether it was his times of busyness or whether in times of relaxation, times of stress, times of preparation and times of normality, Jesus prioritized time with his father. Amen? We all on board? He spent all his time with God. And his desire was for his disciples to do the same, to follow him in his way of life. He even gives them a massive clue of what it is to be a successful or a fruitful disciple in John 15. We've got this on the screen. Remain in me. 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. To remain, to stay attached, to not get isolated, to be connected, to be connected from a place of not being on your own, but being with God the Father. And so being with Jesus is the example Jesus set. It's what he asks of his disciples. And it's as simple as that for all of you and me. Be with Jesus. The problem is most of us struggle to do that. The average time that people spend with Jesus, like quality time for an average Christian, is six minutes. A week. (laughs) Six minutes a day. So we know we need to do this, but most of us struggle to do it. For some of us, it's because we've not been shown how, and when we don't know what to do, we tend to just do nothing. For others of us, like uh, scheduling a time or planning a time doesn't feel very natural, and it feels quite legalistic, so we tend to avoid scheduling anything. For some of us, after we've been doing it a while, it can feel like we are just spending quality time with Jesus out of sheer determination with no feelings, and so that time feels really forced and and not real, and so we tend to avoid it. Or perhaps we have really high expectations for what time with Jesus would actually feel like, and they were never realized. And so, actually, if we're really honest about spending time with Jesus, we are disappointed. We thought it was going to be a bit better. Perhaps for some of you... um, You've really had a go at disciplined time with Jesus, but like me, at some point you failed. And so for you, you feel like a failure in this area. And so it's even hard to talk about it because of those feelings that are in your heart. Perhaps for others of you, it's just not a priority. Like for you, it's like, I will spend time with Jesus all of my day. Why do I need quality time with Jesus? And perhaps for some of you, it's your season of life. So you're like, I'm happy if I get one minute alone to myself in this season, let alone quality time with Jesus. And perhaps, sadly, some of us have decided, if you've been a Christian a while, you're godly enough to get by. And so you don't really need it. Because from the outside, you look like you're doing okay. Why don't you just take a moment to think about where you're at with your time, quality time with Jesus and the challenges you face. Like, why is it for you? I want you to connect with how you're really doing. If you peel away your Christian mask, what's going on honestly? And if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you and I want you just to sort of say, this is probably where I'm really at. If you don't know anyone in the room, just, you know, you can sit quietly by yourself. But if you're happy to turn to the person next to you, just give them a little bit of honesty. Here's my challenges when it comes to getting quality time with Jesus. Can you do that? Is that a bit of a, it's a scary ask. Everyone's like, this is the last thing I want to do. But let's push through. Just turn to the person next to you. Try and give them a bit of honesty. So there, what is challenging about spending quality time with Jesus right now?
Well done. A little bit of honesty at church goes a long way, doesn't it? Listen, the question we've got this morning is how are we going to overcome these challenges? Because I think you would agree with me, the answer is just to not to do nothing just to sort of live in this weird sort of place where you're not growing and not pushing into what God's got for you. So how do we overcome the challenges? How do we actually spend quality time with Jesus? I'm going to give you a few things. I'm quite a visual learner, so I've got a picture for you on the screen, and it's of a dancer. And I want you to imagine a dancer, and she's dancing with grace and joy and rhythm And as you look closer, what's driving this sort of magical movement is that she's got her headphones in. And she's hearing on those headphones the music that she loves the best in the world. It's the music that gets you moving. And it's transporting her. She's captivated. She's enthralled by it. It's almost like she can't stop dancing. Now imagine a second person walks in the room and she looks at the dancer and thinks, I I would love to be able to dance like that. But she can't hear the music the first dancer is listening to. So this woman tries to copy the moves, the technique, and it seems to sort of work for a little bit, but because she doesn't hear the music, the movement is a little bit clunky and a little bit hesitant and a a little bit self-conscious. And she doesn't seem to be enjoying the dance as much as the first dancer does. And before too long, she just runs out of steam. She's exhausted, while the first dancer, well, they're still going strong. I do wonder whether some of our well-intentioned discipleship is actually forcing people to be the second dancer. Like we tell them to copy all the right moves, like read your Bible and get up early and pray and, you know, memorize scripture. Well, we do relatively little to help them hear the beautiful music that's meant to drive it all. And the beautiful music for us as Christians is relationship with a God of grace who loves us enough for us to not stay the same. What would it look like if our time with God was less about technique teaching and more about turning up the music? Like, what, was it, what would it be if it was less about mastering a few things and more about being mastered? What if our focus was on captivating and enthralling would-be disciples with the music of God's incredible love for us in Christ? You know, I, I, the, the thing I want to communicate more than anything from today is what will motivate you to actually, like, get past the challenges you face and get you to actually do something was that to start with, you need to spend time listening to the music, like listening to the grace of God. The grace of God is is playing with loudspeakers all around you from heaven. But I think most of us miss it because we focus on the doing very quickly. See, Jesus earned your relationship with the Father on the cross. Like, that's why he had to go to the cross. 
You have full access to God right now, as if you were Jesus himself. That's how good we've got it when we put our faith in him. There is an open door right now to God. And when God sees you walk through the door, he doesn't see any of your sin. He doesn't see any of your mess. He doesn't see your fickleness. He doesn't see all your past failures, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And you are a son or daughter. And he sees what's great about Jesus over your life. That's the truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. When you walk through that door, that's what he sees. Grace invites you in, and that is what you are made for. You will most come alive in this life when you're with your Heavenly Father. Like, seriously, I believe that. That's what you've been made for. You are a worshiper at heart. But listen, we would be foolish to think that being with God doesn't at some point move to doing. Like, we need to participate. And if you know any dancers, any dancers, professional dancers in the room? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean some of you. Like, any dancers in the room? I saw that hand. One dancer. Oh, my dear. Two. I see. Two. Three. See, dancing actually involves quite a lot of work. And to be a professional dancer, like, you spend years Practicing the moves and strengthening your body and increasing your flexibility. You work hard to dance without any effort. Have you ever seen a ballerina's feet? Ballerinas that dance with such grace and effortless joy, they've worked hard, they've disciplined their bodies to enable themselves to, the, to dance. And listen, it's the same for our growth and our sanctification. Anyone who just lets go and lets God ends up never really spending time with God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, tells Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 4, train yourself for godliness. And Paul, when he describes his own walk with Jesus, he says he trains like an Olympic athlete, even beating his body to win the prize that is Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 9. So listen, God's grace moves us to action. Titus 2 says this, it, meaning grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So just as if you ever taste good wine, it teaches you to say no to bad wine or cheap wine. I've suddenly got everyone's attention. <laughs> the grace of God teaches you to say no to anything that is not as good as the grace of God. Stepping into spending time with God is all of God and all of us. Again, it's so hard to get your heads around, but Philippians 2 on the screen, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God and us. It's all the grace of God, but we need to move towards it in order to receive it. It is God and us. And Don Simpson, who's a, a Christian author and writer, he puts it like this, very eloquent got this on the screen. Jesus invites us 
to leave our burdensome ways of heavy labor, especially our religious ones, and step into the yoke of training with Jesus. His is a way of gentleness and lowliness, a way of soul rest. His is a way of inner transformation in which carrying our burden with him is easy and light. That's Matthew 11. What we thought was so difficult about entering fully into the divine life is entirely due to our failure to understand and take the small steps that quietly but surely lead to our transformation. No one needs to live in spiritual and personal defeat. A life of victory over sin and circumstance is accessible to us all. So we ask again, how? Like, how do we do it? How do we do this work with the grace of God? Well, I've got a second picture for you. It's a waterfall. And this time I want you to picture yourself as that person. It's a waterfall of God's grace and love. And so to get wet, you need to step under the waterfall. And beautifully, God has given us spiritual activities, spiritual disciplines that get us under the waterfall of God's grace. These are the things that Jesus did himself to grow in holiness and uh, to be with his Father. They're things like prayer and reading the Bible and meditation and fasting and giving and silence and solitude. And at their best, these spiritual activities connect us with the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that changes us. Not the thing that we've done to step under the waterfall, but it's when we're under the waterfall, we're changed by God's grace and love. But at their worst, those things, those spiritual activities that get us under the waterfall, we get obsessed with them, with how much or how little we're doing them, how much we've engaged with them, and we forget that the whole point is they exist solely to help us be with Jesus and love others as we love ourselves. Amen? Great. So the power isn't the practice. They're a gateway to Jesus. They don't make you more treasured by God, but they're about making God more treasured to you. So what things get us under the waterfall? Well, they're called spiritual activities or spiritual disciplines. Actually, most things can be a spiritual activity or spiritual discipline. I've got a little defini definition here for you. A spiritual discipline is an activity that's in my power that helps me do something that I can't do by trying really hard. So when my kids were small, they, um, they spotted that we kept all the chocolate biscuits and treats in a, like a tin that was like on top of the kitchen cupboards. And so however hard my daughter, Sweet Tooth, like me, would like stand on tippy toes trying to reach this little tin, she just could not do it. But because she's sharp like her mum, she would drag a chair over to the side, onto the chair, and then grab the tin and scoff the, the sweets and the chocolate. The chair is the spiritual discipline. It's something that's in her power that helps her do something that she couldn't do just by trying really hard. The chair is the discipline. The chair's the thing that gets you under the waterfall. It's something you can do. 
that helps you do something you can't do just by trying really, really hard. So if you apply that to what it is to be a Christian, like let's be personal, I'm someone that wants to be more humble. So what's the opposite of being humble? Proud. So the reality is I'm a proud person. And what, what are proud people like? What's, what's that? Arrogant. What's that? Boastful. So I talk about myself quite a lot. Judgmental. Look down on others. Think of myself really highly. I don't want to be a prideful person. I want to be a humble person. What's a humble person like? What's that? Self-effacing. So we tend to sort of not draw attention to ourselves. What else? What's that? Selfless, want to serve others. But listen, I'm a prideful person and I can't just get there by trying really hard. Like I can't just think to myself, oh, I'm a humble person, I'm a humble person. I just can't do it. So I need to get under the waterfall of God's grace and mercy because it's in that place transformation happens from the inside out. So I need to grab my chair. I need to do little things that are in my power that help me become a different sort of person. So if you were discipling me, and I told you I'm a proud person, I want to be a humble person, but I'm a proud person, what could I do? What stuff's in my power? What spiritual disciplines or activities could I practice to become a humble person? Anyone? I need a lot of prayer. So that's actually very, very insightful. Because the secret for a, a proud person is letting others see the pride. Because you don't really want to do that. So just perhaps asking for help would be a great first step. Anything else I should do? Be open to change. So that's massive. Because a prideful person, you think you've probably made it already. Anything else I heard someone over here? Service. So serving others. So I, I speak to Matt and I say, Matt, what's, what's lacking on the serving rotor right now? I'll fill that gap. And do you know what? Where there's real power in serving for a prideful person, it's hidden. She's heard this talk before. It's <laughs> hidden. So no one gets to find out that you served. That's really powerful. Now, we're Christians, so where in the Bible do I go? So yes, yeah, so I sit down on my own with the Bible, but where in the Bible? What should I study? What could I meditate on? The Gospels, anything. Like what in the life of Jesus was powerful? Like where did he deal with anyone that was proud? When he talks to the Pharisees. So that would be a great place to start. It's like see myself as a Pharisee and see what Jesus has to say to me. Is there anything from the rest of the New Testament? Are there some like key passages that talk about pride and humility? That's right. So when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Or you could go to Philippians 2 that describes how Jesus serves mankind and serves God by offering his life, even unto death. You could go to 1 Peter 5 where we find out that, you know, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
And look, I'm on my way. By doing things, the chair, the things that are in my power that get me under the waterfall of God's grace. And you, you can apply, we haven't got time this morning, but you could apply that to all your stuff where you find yourself not where God wants you to be. And you know that God's calling you to a different sort of life. Listen, just to remind you, the power is not in the chair. The waterfall has the power, and that's all from God. We're just doing stuff to get under the waterfall. So much more I could say on that, but I'm running out of time. Let's jump. So the focus today is doing this movement from someone who spends very little time with Jesus to someone who is like Jesus in the way that he spent time with the Father, in the everyday, in the stressful moments, in the anxious moments. And, you know, most of us, probably over here, yeah, it's just me. Most, oh, very godly. About here? Yeah. Yeah, okay, go back a bit. Yeah. So, how do you do it? Like, what things, what, what chairs can we use? What disciplines can we use to get us under the waterfall, to become those sort of people? Let me give you my top tips. Number one is about vision. Like, what you truly believe about spending time with Jesus. So, what you think often determines how you act. And so, for me, the bottom line is, I thoroughly believe in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9a. Amen? (laughs) For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's a powerful verse. God is looking over all creation and finding the heart that is fully committed to him. And it's with them that he wants to spend his time. They are breathtaking verses. He desires to spend time with me much more than I want to spend time with him. And that's just like a given for me. Like I really believe that. So when I get up early in the morning and spend time with God and don't want to and the dog needs letting outside and I wish I'd stayed in bed, all, all the stuff that goes through your mind, God is desperate to spend time with me. Like, do you really believe that? One person does. I'll take that. Secondly, second top tip, cultivate passion. This is so helpful for those of you that are, all, that are very emotionally led. And I imagine that's 80% of the room where how you feel determines how you act. And so for you, you struggle with quiet times or time with Jesus or devotional times because it feels false, it feels, it feels fake, it doesn't feel very real, you don't really want to do it. But listen, if you've ever had this experience of dating someone and potentially falling in love, hormonal fireworks are going off inside of you. Like there's this sense you just want to be with that person, you just want to spend time with them. But listen, as you get married and as you've been married 20-something years, it goes. You know, I can remember first dating Pip and literally it was like electricity if she came anywhere near me. I don't feel that anymore. But... 
<laughs> You're all like, what is this guy speaking about? <laughs> oh, my days. Um, but there's a deeper love going on here that's been cultivated over many years. So the choices that we've made to be together when we didn't necessarily want to be together is the thing that makes our marriage so good now. So we're not relying on it just feeling good. But we've cultivated the love that we feel for each other. Have I rescued myself? Yeah, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Have I? <Yeah>, maybe. <laughs> so some of you just need to think about that when you, you spend time with Jesus. That it might not be fireworks, but you're building a lifetime of intimacy. And that comes through regular, small amounts of cultivating your love, even when you don't want to. So that date night where the last thing you want to do is go out for a meal, but you choose to do it in order to build the relationship is critical when it comes to your devotional life. Thirdly, third little thing that you can do to help you is time. Like the key to having a healthy devotional life is finding the best time of day when you are most free from everything else. That's a great definition. When is the time of day to spend quality time with Jesus when you're most free from the rest of what life demands of you? For many people, that is first thing in the morning or it's on your way to work or it's once you've dropped the kids off or it's during a nap time or for your kids or whatever it is. But you need to figure that out for yourself. Fourthly, pick a regular spot to get time with Jesus. Pick a regular spot so you don't have to put any energy in thinking about where you go. I've got two spots. I've got an armchair and I've got a little lap that I do outside. So I don't even think about sort of where I'm going. Just, I, I, I like doing the same. Some of you might not be like that, but you need to have a, a place. You need to think about joy because we are motivated by joy. So I make my time with Jesus in the morning as comfortable as possible. Like I make it so I want to get out of bed. And I'd love to say to you that that's about being with Jesus. It's not. It's for me. Get, what gets me out of bed is... Same chair, a blanket, a really nice cup of tea in my favourite mug, and some dark chocolate. <laughs> Just a couple of chunks, you know, it's not a whole bar and stuff, but like for whatever reason that motivates me to get out of bed. <laughs> so you need to find what works for you. Like, don't make it hard. Make it a joy. And Make it worship. So, I mean, God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows some days I'm just in it for the chocolate. <laughs> but that's okay. It's enough grace for that. Make a plan. So for some of you, if you're going to be someone that gets a little bit of time with God every day, especially in the mornings, you need to go to bed earlier. Like for some of you, that's actually a real issue. You just don't go to bed on time. Perhaps, you know, in your plan, you need to take turns with your partner if you've got young kids. Like, what are you actually going to do when you sit in your favorite chair with your chocolate and your cup of tea? 
And there's a great app. Some of you hate having your phones during your devotional times, but there's a great app called Lectio 360. Anyone heard of that? Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. It's like 10 minutes of Bible study and prayer that if you're really lazy, you can just press play and someone reads it to you. Um, whether it's a Bible reading plan, whether it's just you open your Bible and hope and pray, whatever it is, have a plan. And then listen, I'm nearly done. Repetition. So my advice to you is if you want to have a regular quality time with God, like start really small, but do it every day. So don't go for like three hours Monday morning, I'm getting up at four, off we go. But try and do 10 minutes tomorrow and then do it every day. And if you can do it for about five weeks, you'll probably get a habit. Like it'll probably develop in you a desire to do it because it takes that long to form a habit and the harder things in life take longer to form. And then lastly, you don't have to do it on your own. That's the wonders of Zoom. That's the wonders of WhatsApp. That's the wonders of our technology is some of my best times, quality times with Jesus is when other people inspire me to do it. You know, maybe once a week you can have like a, a thing in the morning where you actually spend time with someone else helping you to be with Jesus. Listen, uh, wrapping things up now. My hope is that you go away from this thinking, I can do something tomorrow. But be really gentle with yourselves. I think the absolute key to the Christian life is being a plodder. It's like just doing it. And just doing it for a long time. All the godly people I know are quite old. And I'm old. But even older than me. And the reason is they've spent a lifetime working at this. The reality is however much well planned you are. And how disciplined you are. It's God that does the changing not us. So some things might go really quickly. Some things. Well all spiritual growth is organic. You might be an oak tree, and you take a really long time to grow. Some of you might be bamboo, you know, and the growth is like really, really quick. The point is that you just consistently step towards the waterfall. The waterfall is waiting for you. And my hope is I can look back at my life and just say the general direction was one of constantly getting wet every day. Because I think that's the life that God's called us into. Listen, before I go, any questions? Anything you want to ask about? Because I really want this, you know, this is not quite like a normal preach. I, I, my intention was to make it as empowering as possible. Any questions? How to, any tips on how to encourage each other to spend time? I mean, I'm always inspired by people that are a little bit further ahead than me. So one thing we can do for each other is to work at this and to become people that, you know, can grab others and come alongside. For, for Pip and I, the way it works um, is that we actually 
function better when we do it separately. So we've tried to do it together. And Pip wants me as husband. She doesn't want me as pastor. And so it doesn't work when we do it together because I just go into pastor mode. And so we found, like, by talking it through rather than just thinking, oh, godly couples pray together, we've actually, like, had the conversation. So, yeah, we do pray together, but probably in everyday time with Jesus, let's do it separately. But you're all different, and every couple here will be a bit different. And so I probably, the first thing that comes to mind is talk to each other. Like, what? Like for me to say, what would you find encouraging, you know, in your walk with Jesus? And generally, she would say, just leave me alone. <laughs> true, true story. Because she just, you know, she would pick up on any sort of patronizing or any judgment or anything. You know, she can see it all. So, yeah. We do have a good marriage, just so you know. <laughs> I just feel like I, we... <laughs> any other questions? Yeah. It's a great question. Does it depend on what sort of learner you are? You know, I think there's been lots of work done in terms of pathways to God. And we've all got different pathways. So for some of you, you, you love a quiet, intimate space. This means I've gone on for too long, doesn't it? Um, for others of you, like creation is a pathway. And so that's why I always have a walk in the morning. Because for me, connecting with God, I, I want to be outside. So I think just try a load of stuff and find which one you think you thrive in. I think I've gone on enough. Do you want to stand to your feet? Okay. Um, yeah, great. As we start singing, I think parents need to go and get their kids, if that's okay. But let me pray for you before you dash off, okay? Do you want to just close your eyes for a moment? I just want to sort of speak over you that the grace of God is for you. It's not just for the person on your left or your right, but it's for you. And that waterfall, that picture of the waterfall, that's for you to get under not for just the person that is really godly. But wherever you find yourself on that journey, you can get wet <laughs> today. And um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be like an outbreak of intimacy and closeness to you as a result of what we've looked at today. That tomorrow, by the end of tomorrow, the end of Monday, pray every single person in this room has managed 10 minutes with you quality time every single person and I pray God anyone that's just inwardly saying I can't do that God would you give them a fresh vision today of the grace and power that's available through the Holy Spirit and God I pray that tomorrow will become Tuesday will become Wednesday and habits would be formed that make us those that are intimate with you. Thank you so much for this church family. Let it be known for those that are, have been with Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, 
visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.